Hey, fermenters. Austin Durant here, and you're listening to The Probiotic Life. This podcast is where we explore the intricate relationships between human health, soil health, and ecological systems. Join me now for another exploratory conversation on The Probiotic Life. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Probiotic Life. I am your host Ben Klenner. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking to Austin Durant of FermentersClub.com. Uh, he is a fermentation guru and organizes the San Diego Fermentation Festival and the Oregon Fermentation Festival. So. In this episode, Austin shares a bit about his journey in fermentation. We talk about uh, flavors and getting creative with ferments, and also how community is brought together through the wonderful world of fermentation. So, before we get started, there's still opportunity to sponsor the podcast, and we'll be starting to advertise those sponsors in a few weeks' time. Uh, as always, we love getting feedback and you can always rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And if you have some ideas or you want to partner with us on the podcast here, I'd love for you to get in touch with us too. So get ready to be inspired to ferment or if you are already fermenting, Maybe put this one on while you're making some sauerkraut or kimchi or something like that. So, without further ado, here is the interview with Austin Durant. Today on the podcast, we have a fermentation fanatic, and he is the founder of the Fermenters Club and organizes the Oregon Fermentation Festival. Welcome to the show, Austin. Thanks, Ben. Really good to be here. And thanks for your time. So uh, we'd love to hear all about fermentation, but uh, first we'd like to start off with a little bit about you, about how uh, you got started in fermenting. So uh, what led you to getting into fermentation? What was, what was uh, one specific memory that you can recall that really got you into it? Um, well, there was one memory about seven or eight years ago, um, which, which brought me back. It, it, it instantly drew me back to another memory when I, from when I was a baby. But uh, the first memory is I had made a batch of sauerkraut. I was, uh, um, and I was immediately hooked at, at how incredibly simple it was and, uh, and what the flavor was like. And that flavor, that sort of sour flavor, um, that, you know, we, you know, we eat sour foods, vinegar, vinegar pickles and whatnot, but there was just something extra special about that batch of, of raw fermented, uh, probiotic sauerkraut that I just, I just lit up. And it reminded me that, um, when I was a baby, uh, my grandfather used to feed me 
uh, he called it jet fuel. It was it was salt and vinegar, and I would just lap it up, and it would make <laughs> my lips white, and it was just kind of a, a funny scene for the family. And I realized, you know, we were probably born with with a sense of of that that sour flavor, and so I don't know, maybe those, those two memories connecting really uh, lit me up as far as like, okay, this is amazing, and it's simple. And I have not really heard about heard about it except on my own journey. So that's, I would say, that was the first triggering memory and, and experience that that got me uh, pretty serious about getting into fermented foods. Right, and so um, it sounds like it has been a bit of a journey for you. But now you are uh, organizing a bunch of different uh, fermentation festivals and the the website. Um, share with us a little bit about that process. How did you go from just making your own sauerkraut to being like, I need to share this with the world? Right, right, of course. So um, that first batch, you know, like I said, lit me up. And I realized, um, you know, I'd I'd grown up um, in an era where everything was microwaved and processed foods and fast foods and um, never really heard of any of this stuff. And I grew up in sort of a suburban suburban, area. town in, in Florida on the on the east coast of the US and um, just never really experienced like the deep understanding of, of food and, and where it came from. So that is my my own journey was I wanted to sort of understand what does seasonal mean, what is local, what are these buzzwords? And um, on that journey sort of uncovered a lot more of about the food system in general and uh, how it works today, how it's worked, you know, in our grandparents' generation and um, somehow fermented foods, yeah, just like sort of bubbled up to the surface, uh, pun intended. Um, and, um, so once I, I made my first batch, I realized, wow, this was incredibly easy. So I got a couple of my friends who are also more or less in the food um, business in some way or another. And we, we originally got a food swap together and I realized, you know, I can make a gallon of sauerkraut the same as I can make, you know, a liter. So why not make a bunch and share it? So, um, that's what we did. It started, the Fermenters Club was founded in late, early 2011. And we, it was just a bunch of my friends and I, you know, you'd make a bunch of sauerkraut, somebody else would make pickles and make sourdough and we'd bring enough to share with each other. So we're sort of enjoying the fruits of each other's labor. And um, that was the initial concept. And I realized that there's a, there's a lot of power in that, you know, of not only sort of letting, you know, sharing in the, in the, in the work of other people, but um, you know, giving giving what you do to other people and through and basically creating communities through food, and that was sort of a, another light bulb that went off. And so, after a few months, we did our we did our food swaps, and my friends inevitably got a little bit uh, called, I'll say fermentation fatigued. Uh, they were you know stressed out about having to make something every month, and of course, I'm like that's the opposite of what I what I'm intending here. I just want everybody to enjoy it. So. Um, that's when I started writing, uh, founded the Fermenters Club blog, um, fermentersclub.com, which now has probably like 50 or 80 different recipes, um, various videos. And so that, that's, you know, how I sort of got into the initial um, jump into, into blogging at first. And then as I progressed and, and did more of the stuff, I found a public venue. It was a farmer's market um, here in San Diego that, you know, they're like, hey, you just want to get on stage and talk about fermented foods. So we did. And we I did. And that was my first public appearance. And I realized, um, first of all, again, the world has almost had almost forgotten about this, this, this tradition that our ancestors did. Um, and it was really exhilarating to actually be, you know, be up in front of a bunch of people and giving information to them that is important at, and, and that they genuinely didn't realize. And so, um, 
that that sort of helped you know crystallize that this is something that's important for me to do as well as something to share with the world. So once I started getting into that mindset around, okay, we need to the world needs to know about this. Then, then the thought became, okay, how do I create communities that are centered around this? You know, and, you know, the community is is both the one that's in our gut. You know, we have a very diverse set of microbes that uh, that lives in our lives in us and on us and keeps us healthy. Um, but the actual human community as well. So um, I went up to Northern California in 2000, I think it was 2011, and I went to my I attended my first fermentation festival, which was. In a little town called Freestone, um, in the in the Bay Area, sort of the north, it's called the North County um, Bay Area, and um, I by by chance I got to meet uh, both uh, Sandra Katz, the sort of the father, the godfather of the fermentation revival, we'll call him, um, and Michael Pollan, who was who I had read a couple of his books, and he's based in Berkeley, which is nearby, and just was just like you know starstruck, but also um, really you know just in this really good company. And then it was a festival. So, um, it was very enjoyable, um, very, very well done. And, um, then I went back the next year to, uh, the same festival and I volunteered and I helped out. And, and then a couple years later, I decided, uh, San Diego would be a good town to try to do this. And again, it's, it's something that didn't exist here in Southern California. And so, um, I'm like, Hey, I bet I can do one of these festivals too. And so the festival became, okay, not only, having small groups of friends, sort of the small view, then a larger, you know, um, you know, teach, teaching a class of maybe 20 to 30 people, what's the next level up? And so the festival, when I saw people connecting through food and I saw commerce going on and teaching and, and sharing and making and all that, um, I realized, okay, this, this is the next logical step. So that's, that's why I took on, um, organizing festivals. And, uh, so yeah, we now have one in San Diego and we have one in Portland, Oregon, and possibly uh, more cities uh, in the future as we as we grow and get and develop. That's really cool. So it was really uh, a journey of exploration, wasn't it? It sounds like the you you didn't like aim to be like I'm going to start a fermentation festival just when you first made your first sauerkraut. Right, right, and and believe me, if uh, anybody's uh, listening, that's an event coordinator, or event planner. You realize <laughs> it's you get a lot more than you bargained for. I mean, it's just it's a lot of of a busyness that leads up to a to you know to a, a moment and i imagine any performer probably feels something similar where it's like you do all this practice and all this planning and then it leads up to one big event and then you do it all again so i i never intended to become an event planner or organizer that said i i learned so much along the way and and uh you know i wouldn't trade it i wouldn't trade it even though it's it's a it's a fairly stressful uh few months <laughs> leading up to, to a festival but when you're standing there and people are enjoying themselves and laughing and there's music playing and and you know, little kids running around with jars of sauerkraut, like it's 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 cool. Like it's it's like okay, yeah, this is this is why I do this. So. Awesome. And, and uh, well, I like what you said about community building communities because um, uh, and connecting back to our food really because uh, at the probiotic life we like to talk. I like to talk about healthy soil means healthy plants. Healthy plants means healthy people. Healthy people means healthy communities and a healthy world, a healthy ecosystem. And um, I find that fermentation is a real visceral way that you can participate in um, that process and become aware of more than just yourself. Right. Absolutely. So um, from from this point on, where where do you see uh, 
yourself going? You want to expand, do more fermentation festivals, or you got other ideas on the in the pipeline? Uh, yeah, so I think that you know if we think about sort of like the bubbling up and, and reaching more audiences, um, the the next step or you know something that I've, that I've really always wanted to cultivate is uh, a lot of really compelling uh, content online. So whether that's uh, you know video format, probably video format since that's sort of the best way for folks to to digest information in, in a multimodal way. Um, so really. And, I, and I've got a YouTube channel now. Um, it's really pretty nascent. It's, you know, it's just kind of me dinking around a little bit, just like, make, you know, here I'm making, exposing some mold on the top of a SCOBY or I'm doing this. So I want to get a little more disciplined about creating content that's compelling, mm-hmm. that, te- you know, that's very similar to the format of my, of my live workshops, which, um, you know, I'm, I've been also cultivating those over the last few years. Um, so figuring out how to, to reach more people, because, you know, I, I can reach like I said, 20 or 30 people at a time. Um, but I'd love to be able to reach people who, uh, you know, don't live in a big city, but still want to learn this stuff. So I think, uh, you know, developing and curating more online content, um, and, and as well as telling stories of the people behind them is, is something that's kind of a, been a dream of mine and working more towards that this year. So, uh, manifesting all the resources and the help to, to do that. Cause, uh, I think my vision is bigger than my, uh, my meaning my only as as one person my capability so it's time to sort of enlist uh people's help in terms of you know what they're good at you know videographers and sound people and editors and you know all that sort of stuff so um that and that's a, that's been one of my personal learning lessons is yeah i can do a lot of stuff uh, on my own but boy it's a really it's really a lot more easy and a lot more powerful when uh, you allow other people to help and and you just create something that's so much bigger uh, than you can even imagine. So, um, uh, a, a lot, while I'm building this, 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 uh, being part of small part of this movement, that's what I'm learning, uh, personally. It's like, okay, yeah, that not, I'm not just preaching it. I actually have to live that, you know, uh, accepting community meet part of that means like allowing people to help and share their vision and build it. And so that we have this, you know, like I said, thing that's much bigger than, than even I could have, uh, uh envisioned. Yeah, fantastic. You know, that's, um, it's, I think I, I'm on a similar journey and I think the people that sort of people that listen to this podcast, um, where we love anything to do with probiotics, but, uh, also if you're in this space, then you sort of are open to your own journey to some degree and, and open to learning different things. You know, I was just at a, at a workshop the other day learning about speaking and, and engaging, connecting with the um, audience on an emotional level, which means you actually have to be learn to be true to yourself. So that's sort of a, a little side thing that comes with starting to learn about your food, starting to learn about um, fermentation and, and all of that sort of stuff. So it sounds like San Diego is a good place to, to start that. It sounds like there's lots of resources there in, in San Diego. Have you, have you connected with people in San Diego or are you connecting worldwide to enlist help from people? Um, it's, it's a combination. So uh, there are a lot of uh, great resources and, and people in, in the sort of the, the food community, if you will, and, and the farming community um, in San Diego County. Um, but I also have, you know, angels, wherever I go, there seems to be people that are attracted to this stuff, which is wonderful. Like when I go to Oregon, you know, there's a whole community of uh, that, I've, that I've helped, you know, um, bring together there. 
and um, other places like uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, it's kind of a, a pretty uh, rapidly growing city in the U.S. Um, there's a lot of buzz there about, you know, and really where there's anywhere where there's a lot of people, you're going to get, um, uh, you know, that that kind of curiosity, I think. But um, so, yeah, I would say I'm open to, to getting help from wherever, you know, wherever there are people that are that are interested in this stuff. Fantastic. So let's get down into the nitty gritty of fermentation, because um, I think uh, a lot of people have, have played around with it a little bit and. Um, hopefully had some successes and had some failures as well. But um, let's let's get down into uh, what are you doing right now? What ferments are you doing right now? Uh, okay, so at any given moment, I've got uh, sauerkraut going, uh, kimchi, kombucha. And um, just, just this week, I was playing around with some hot sauce, like uh, pepper sauce. And I had... Um, forgotten about this batch i made a fermented a just bunch of peppers chopped them up put some salt uh, a little bit of pickle brine a couple of uh garlic cloves into a jar uh, mashed it up and let it ferment for about three or four months and then uh put it away in my refrigerator and just recently like last week was like oh yeah that i better pull that stuff out so yeah. i finally pulled it out and um fortunately that you know ferment, fermented foods have sort of a built-in shelf life you know in the refrigerator i should say so um and uh, so I just I threw it in the Vitamix, added a little bit of salt, a little bit of vinegar, a little more water, just to get the right consistency, and uh, it turned out really really good. So I'm pretty excited about um, that. And usually when I successfully complete a recipe, um, I will I will blog about it. So I'll, I'll, nice. I'll put up a recipe and maybe a video. Um, so that's what I said. I've been trying to kind of capture capture stuff real time, but also maybe think a little bit more about you know higher quality production values and, and putting something together that, you know, that's compelling that people want to watch in addition to sort of the, the rapid real time stuff that, you know, things like Facebook live and Instagram, you know, afford us like something that's a little more, you know, sturdy, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and would you share with us something that's like, um, I guess recently, like, like you said, with your, your um, hot sauce, that's really, been so good that you just want to share with everyone. Okay, so last summer I um, came across, or I I didn't, and then nobody invents this stuff. You just pull it out of the the cosmic consciousness. But um, <laughs> uh, kefir kefir based ice cream. I got I got bitten. I was like, I got to get an ice cream machine because I've never I've never done that. So I found one on uh, a Craigslist, which is like you know local used used stuff. Got one for twenty bucks, and I'm like, I bet I can make uh, ice cream using kefir which is a, itself like son of a fermented dairy. And sure enough, it was like, it was awesome. The very, the very first batch I made um, turned out great. Um, so I was like, okay, well, what, how can I um, just make this just go beyond, you know, what's reasonable? And so I made a, I think I made a, a kefir ice cream that was also made with umeboshi, which are uh, Japanese pickle plums. And pistachios wow, okay. and chocolate, or just something, something ridiculous, where you put, you know, two or three things and try to get all of the different flavors, you know, salty, sweet, savory, um, into one. And um, it was really, it was unexpectedly like really good. And I couldn't, you know, every time I, I was almost reluctant to tell my friends about it because they would inevitably storm my house and, <laughs> and eat all of it. But um, and you know, I haven't figured out how to scale that. That's something that because you're confined to the size of the ice cream machine, I could only make you know one or two liters at a time. So um, uh, that, but necessarily a small batch. But um, most of the time, if I if there's a recipe I like, I'll, I'll try to scale it up somewhat and make you know 
a couple gallons or, or something like that. But, mm. um, so that, that was something that was pretty cool. Kefir ice cream. Um, so what, so when, when you're, you're learning, you got your hands on learning experience, what other ways do you learn? What, what resources do you go to, to learn about this stuff? Yeah, of course. So, um, I'm always, I always refer to a couple of, of books at first, you know, uh, the Art of Fermentation or Wild Fermentation, which are two of Sander's uh, books, which I know Sander was a was a guest uh, previously on your on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ch- I'm like, okay, what? How does Sander do it? Is for the first thing I check, and then um, if he if he does or do, whatever, if, if there's something in there, then I'll usually go online and um, see what other people are doing around it, um, and you know whatever that is, and then just try it out. I'll, I'll either synthesize. Uh, a couple of different recipes together, or if I have to make a modification based on what I've got on hand or what's in season here, um, then I I'll do that and then just try it out once or twice. And, um, you know, and then if it, and then if it works, I, well, I always record down sort of the, the recipe as I go. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And if it works, then, you know, I've got something recorded that I can repeat. So that's kind of a, kind of a generally my process. And then, um, I'll do it again and I'll document, the process along the way and uh and then you know, usually post up an article or or about it that's kind of like not like my basic basic process and then there's times where you just have to improv i'm trying to think of an example where um uh oh here's an example where um i'm doing i'm teaching a couple of miso making classes this month and um one of the the places that i'm teaching at is a farm and they have fresh beans like in other words beans that are still growing on the vine they haven't been you know shelled and dehydrated and all that so i was like so there's like well can you use fresh beans to make miso and i googled it and i'm like nobody's ever i can't find anything about that like actually using fresh beans so there's where it's like okay well i'm gonna try it it seems pretty logical that it's going to work but um you know i don't want to assume anything so i'm gonna uh take a small batch and, and play around with the with it and see what happens. So, um, so there's a little, there's still a little bit of, you know, originality or, or, or improv, if you will, that's, that's required to do this. I mean, because there are just countless number of variations on, on different recipes and, and techniques. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I love about fermentation is the fact that you can take something and take the idea and then adapt it to what to whatever you have on hand or whatever you have growing fresh in the garden. It's, it's fantastic. Do you actually uh, do any growing, or you you focus more on the, on the fermentation side of stuff? You know, I I've always known that um, farmers and fermenters, you know, are, are they you just go hand in hand because you know that's just something that we people used to do with the with the additional uh, harvest. That said, I haven't had much of a, a green thumb. Whatever the opposite of that is 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 what I've had. But <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm finally uh, get you know surrounding myself with people that know what they're doing. And I, I just moved into a place that's got a nice big backyard. So I'm going to build a garden with some friends and, uh, have a, have a go at it. So that way I will be able to, uh, to, you know, to, to actually go from growing something to putting it into the jar. And I, I think I'd like to develop a, a kimchi garden. I ca- I'm calling it, which is basically, you know, cabbage, peppers, garlic, scallions, um, ginger, all the things that go into kimchi, which we grow reasonably well in our climate here. So um, that'd be pretty cool to have like a kimchi garden. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. I think I might try that too because um, Perth, yeah. Perth is actually the same latitude south as San Diego is north. So it's similar sort oh, of really? Mediterranean climate. Nice. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's really cool to have that um, the ability to, to more or less grow all year round. There aren't there aren't a whole lot of climates uh, or cities where you can do that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard good things about Western Australia. I haven't haven't been out there yet. But oh, well, you're definitely wel- welcome to to come on down, <laughs> for sure. I'd love to. It, you know, it, um, I don't know if it's just a, a thing where uh, you know I attract a lot of people from other English speaking countries, and you know, Canada, UK, Australia. Um, I, I just noticed that when I was looking at my followers and, and likes and stuff, and. I was like, you know what? I need to get down to you know Australia and New Zealand, and so I keep having this this trip planned, but it keeps getting postponed a year. So <laughs> hopefully, it'll be like 2019 will be my my goal, and then just like hit up all of the companies and, and great people that you know I, I've met virtually, and uh, you know put names to faces, and who knows, maybe even do like a workshop tour uh, of the country. Uh, I'd love it. I just, I mean, I think the the vibe is it feels very similar to. Um, what's going on here in the U S with, with people really just taking responsibility and command of their, of what they put in their bodies. So I, I think it's an important, hopefully not just trend, but a new way of, of a permanent way of doing things. Um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's like, like you said, it's, it's, uh, reviving that art of fermentation. The, the, you know, I was talking to my Oma, my German grandma, and she was talking about when she was growing up, going into the forest um, in Germany um, and picking the mushrooms, learning that you, you only twist off the top so you don't pull out the mycelium underneath so they grow back. And uh, down down the, the alleyways and lanes, there'd be like plum trees and stuff. And all they do with, you know, jams and, um, and preserves and all that sort of stuff. It's like a lost art that, that's coming back. And you're, you're one of the people that are like sharing this knowledge, which is fantastic. Mm, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to play a small part in what, what you just described. I just immediately thought of like every fairy tale, you know, growing up, <laughs> Hansel and Gretel and all that. Like, it's just, it, it, that is a way that I think, you know, maybe it's a little romantic to think about it that way, but I think that is how people live like very close to nature and, and, you know, had, had a different, more symbiotic relationship with, with nature than, you know, we, we've had, let's say in the last century or so. So it's good to know that, you know, uh, many of us are starting to uh, remember that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that we're having to learn it because, again, it's in, it's in sort of the human uh, consciousness. But remember that. Oh, nature's not our enemy. It's actually, you know, pretty darn, you know, nice, and it's and, and it's very loving and giving. And, and in fact, I was listening to Joel your podcast with Joel South, and so I'm remembering some of the things that <laughs> his mindset about it. And I'm like, he's he's so like spot on with that. Um, uh, so happy to happy to contribute in in the small way that I can to get get people back into um, you know taking command of their of their food and and doing it in a way that's that's communal and and that it's respectful of of our, our ecosystem for sure yeah and and you touched on that just being um, connecting uh, with nature and and nature actually wants to help us um, you know another guy that I interviewed was. Um, Finian Makepeace of Kiss the Ground, and and they're in LA focused on um, building soil health. But again, it really comes around community and comes around uh, the health of the soil. And I'll be interested to know, Austin, what um, as a fermenter you've got to um, connect with some people. In fact, I heard of you through um, Dr. Embriette Hyde. What what's some of the uh, fascinating or interesting information that you've learned about the probiotics and the connection with nature? 
Yeah, that's that's a great a great question, Ben. And I I was it was just kismet that I that I got connected with Embryette and her. Uh, well, she used to work at the lab at, at uh, UC San Diego with Dr. Rob Knight. And um, ever since then, it's just been this sort of like mutual fascination. I think. I mean, the, these are people that are that are trying to understand the mechanisms by which these these microbiomes, specifically, they study the one that's in our gut, but um, there are biomes everywhere on the planet. And I think that that's um, so so discovering that there are people that are that are coming at it from from the scientific uh, you know viewpoint and really wanting to understand well why why do some bacteria confer good health and some make us sick? You know, they they really they're there to sort of understand and crack the code there. So that that sort of perked me up in terms of like Good, you know, I, as I like to say in my workshops, modern science is catching up to traditional wisdom. Yeah. We've known that these things are good for us by, you know, adding the right amount of salt to something and and letting it ferment, or you know, getting a buzz off of meat, or you know, whatever it is. Like it's 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 you know, helpful for us in uh, in moderation, but we we never understood why. We just did it through trial and error and through shared, you know, whatever oral or written stories. But um, so to see that to see these folks like actually coming at it from a from a uh, standpoint of okay, how can we use this information? Information to heal ourselves in a, in a completely uh, original way, you know, and um, or at least original to the Western civilization model, where uh, rather than just giving us a pill to, to fix a symptom, um, we're actually looking at our, our own systems holistically and um, saying, okay, how can we feed the microbiome that lives in us? And, and so that it takes care of us, you know, so, so they're both doing it from a very scientific perspective, but I, you know, I, I overlay my my vision of like, okay, we're actually, you know, respecting the 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 very organisms from which we originated and uh, that have been with us the whole time. Um, so so, and then what I do for them is they need a lot of data. So I I, I give them, you know, we we interact and I provide them a community of people that are already really focused on this healthy stuff and you know vendors that make this stuff for a living and. So to answer your question about what I'm learning from them is they open my eyes to understanding that, um, you know, not only what's going, you know, so what's going on in our guts is important, but what's going on in the jar or in the crock is actually very similar to what's going on um, in the, in our stomachs, as well as what's going on underneath the soil, you know, so, so there's this, this, this radically complex system of interdependent things working together and, um, when you realize that that's actually the nature of nature is is to have uh, all this sort of cooperation and uh, mutual yeah like I'm getting something I'm producing something you're taking that you know you're exchanging mm-hmm. uh, that that's actually that's actually the norm of nature um, mm-hmm. so that that was one of the the big lessons I learned from um, from working with Embryad and and uh, her colleagues that's great it sounds um, like you're actually your understanding of fermentation has has taken sort of like there's there's a new light on it because of of the interactions that you've had with that community. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, and, and I've always I've always known that fermentation is important, but um, it, it's representative of th- of other systems that are going on. You know, like I said, what's in the jars is what's going on in our gut, and I mean, and that's that's almost literally true. You've got lactic acid, you've got wars between good bacteria and pathogenic bacteria, you've got, um, you know, exchanging information and, and, and converting digestive enzymes and creating vitamins and all that. That's that's what our, our you know, in, in inherent native gut, gut bacteria are doing too. So, um, 
it's you know not it's it's a literal it's not it's not just a metaphor it's literally what's happening but um but yeah absolutely fermentation as part of a broader narrative about um understanding and respecting and and allowing nature you know cultivating it in, in in a responsible way um almost like you know fermentation in some ways to me is like gardening i mean you you can you can tend to the soil and tend to the the land in a, in a, in a good way. Um, and that's what you have to do with fermentation. You have to sort of add the right ingredients or, or don't add, don't add the wrong ingredients in order for nature to just do what it does. And so, you know, what's going on in the jar is a lot of, you know, what's happening a lot in, in, in natural systems. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, when, when you say that Austin, it reminds me of, um, Pascal Baudard and, and what he's doing with, uh, wild foraging. And, and I'm super keen to get my hand on his new book. Um, do you do would do you do any sort of uh, wild foraging or or um, adding cultures like he does to his uh, sourdough? I haven't yet. Uh, yeah, Pascal's pretty pretty awesome in terms of what he can what he can find, especially when I think he does a lot of his work in LA. And in my in my you know, limited understanding, I I have this you know concept that um, LA is is you know doesn't necessarily have the same, you know, natural stuff that, you know, I think of places that have a lot more water and a lot more trees, but the truth is like there, he, he, he's in it. He's finding all these, you know, these really cool, uh, native things that, that nature provides, even in a place like Los Angeles, which again, it just means there's a lot of people there. It doesn't mean there's not a lot of nature, but mm-hmm. again, in my brain, that was my, that was my initial thought. So I was really blown away. And, um, I met him a couple years ago at, at an event and uh, got his book, and it's pretty cool. But personally, I uh, I haven't gone out and done a whole lot of foraging in terms of other than you know if I wanted to start a sourdough, just setting some some uh, flour and water on my counter. That that would be my version of <laughs> all right, yeast, come on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, come to the party, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, I, there was a while where I I did uh, want to get into like mushroom hunting and mycology, but it's um, it's pretty arid here. So the season for that is just maybe two or three months, you know, right now. And, and it, re- it hasn't really even been uh, very rainy this year. So it'd be pretty, it's fairly frustrating to be a, a mushroom hunter in this place like San Diego, but um, versus a place further North, like uh, Portland, Oregon, or, or even Northern California, where there's just a lot more rain and a lot more trees. Um, I think mushroom hunting is, is more, uh, more fulfilling and rewarding. For but, sure. Um, yeah. And, and I wanted to touch on something else that you said, you know, just about community and, and like you said, you, um, just sharing and connecting because, um, if you're good at fermentation, somebody else is good at, or, or you might be good at say sauerkraut and somebody else is good at, um, sourdough or making mead or something like that. And, you know, there's only a limited amount of time in the day that we can do this stuff and, you know, have our busy lives and everything. How does how does that work for you uh, being part of a community? What does that look like for you being part of a community where you can actually share and you don't have to do everything yourself? I mean, I, I think that's that's kind of what one definition of of a community or even an economy is, right? It's like you're good at doing something. You can do it more cost effectively um, and you appreciate it and you enjoy it, you know, you're right. If everybody had to do and make everything, nobody, nothing would ever get done. So that that's, you know, we're sharing in each other's labors in that way. Um, 
I mean, in some cases, I, I'm I'm trading for I'm trading, you know, either knowledge or you know jars of sauerkraut for thing for other real things. So I don't know if that if that's more along the lines awesome, of yeah. a, a okay. form of community. But bartering is uh, is uh, I mean, I, I just love the idea of doing that, like where you're sharing people, you know, the direct labor of something you've done with with that of someone else. Um, yeah. But I mean, but as far as like what the club does, um, <clears throat> we do one one aspect is having these bi-monthly or so uh, chapter meetings. So these meet, these are free meetings that are open to the public and anybody can come and, and just bring their curiosity or maybe bring a couple of extra SCOBYs if they've got uh, those. And we're just coming together and just geeking out in, in, you know, in real life, in person. Um, and I've tr- I'm in the process of figuring out how to make that scalable. Um, I've, I've been doing it more or less pretty consistently here in San Diego for a while, but I'd love to be able to take that concept and just seed other cities where, you know, again, there doesn't have to be a, a major bureaucracy or structure, but just something like, Hey, we're going to talk about these things. We're going to, we're, we're going to have a guest, you know, local person that knows, knows something about fermenting or something about the local food shed. And then we're going to, we're all going to like share and we're going to talk about, you know, what we made. And then we're going to, so just like a basic format where, People can consistently get together and uh, and geek out. So that that's another way to actually you know create those communities and bring more mm-hmm. people into the fold. Um, so that's something that's again on my mind. Um, just just trying to figure out how to do it in a way that's you know other you know scalable, structured, but also spontaneous. You know, we're we're because um, I think people sometimes want both. You know, the the reliability of like, oh yeah, I can go to this meeting every couple months, but you know, not making it too structured or rigid. You know, you want it to be uh, something that's, you know, applicable to your environment, to your, you know, what season it is, what part of the world you're in, that sort of stuff. Right. So, yep. Sort of more like a, a, a family barbecue or something rather than a, a, a Lions Club meeting or something. Right. There you go. I like that. So maybe some, maybe, um, maybe with less fighting. Depends what family union. Yep. Right. So right. when you, when you get together and share um, ferments, what what sort of um, I'm I'm interested to know about the ideas that you get in terms of flavor um, and that sort of stuff because I've actually started because because we live in a little villa I've, and I've only got pots that I grow stuff in. I got some fruit trees, but more and more I'm starting to grow stuff that's to flavor ferments rather than to. Like I can't grow, you know, twenty cabbages in in um, pots. What sort of right. things do you guys uh, flavor? And I want to get a little bit of an idea about that. Mm. Um, I'm seeing a lot some interesting uh, ways to f- to do secondary flavorings for like kefir or or kombucha. Um, so cool. a lot of times people will have you know trees. Um, the fruit trees in their yard, uh, you know, like lemon, lemons, oranges, citrus, uh, guavas. Um, so there's a lot of times there's that. And then in the summertime, people are, they get crazy with, with the chili peppers because again, they, they, they grow really well here. Um, so I've seen just, you know, just some various, um, pepper sauces that have, uh, you know, just different, different flavors in them and different levels of heat. That's mainly what's been, uh, the most, like stuff that I, that I don't necessarily, you know, completely dabble in, but it's always cool to see. And it's always cool to to taste other people's versions of things like kefir and kombucha, because even though, you know, there it's, it's a continuum, uh, everybody, every microclimate is a little different. So it's, it's, it's interesting and cool to see like what people prefer in terms of sweetness or how long they let something ferment 
or um, you know those those var- those different variables. Mm-hmm. And so right now you you've got your own ferments going on, and you've got um, the fermentation club. What are you really excited about coming up in the next little while? Uh, let's see. So, um, I, like I said, I think I'm really going to do a, a, a big push to get some some good content online. I've actually shot a, a good amount of videos um, on covering various topics, um, and I just I just have I have yet to edit them together and and, and compile them. But I'm just about to come out with a, a fairly comprehensive video about um, fish sauce and how to make it. And uh, you know, again, this is my vision of having the sort of an episodic format where. You know, I go out and I, I I meet with somebody that's that's doing something interesting, and then I talk with them, figure out you know what what they're doing. I hopefully get them to you know share a recipe with me, even if it's a, an ancient family secret. And then I make the recipe in my in, in my kitchen, and then it's just sort of like and then there's a little bit of science aspect to it. So that's sort of like where I'm my vision of this of this format is. Um, so I'm about to, to release, I guess it's more or less my first episode um, on YouTube uh, about fish sauce. And I start with, you know, the ocean. I, I, I meet with an oceanographer. We talk about sustainable fisheries. Then I, you know, I make fish sauce. We wait a, a full year to, to ferment it. And then, you know, so um, that's something that's, um, like I said, I've had the content. I've had the stuff, the, the, the footage, but I just haven't uh, had the time, I guess, to, to put it all together. So I'm pretty excited about getting that like launched in a, in a, you know, in a polished professional way. And, uh, hopefully that, um, that gets more people excited about this stuff. Awesome. So, so if you wanted to really convey your, your one sort of message, what would that be? What's one thing that you really want to share with people about fermentation? Uh, hmm. I think I would say that, it's nothing to fear. Um, and now I want to, I want to couch that with, and I I think your audience is, is a, is a good overlap of people, not only into fermentation, but just over into overall health. And that's, that's the, that's the angle, if you will, that, that I like to, to come at it with is I love, I love when people, you know, already get it and are, you know, five or six levels deep, but I, but I feel like the work is in reaching people who, you know, don't get it, who are still drinking, you know, soda pop and, um, eating mm. fast food. And, you know, so, so I want to, I want to integrate people that get it with people that don't get it. Um, and so that's, that's sort of the edge that I like to play. Um, Ooh, okay. and, and it, you know, it, it's risky because sometimes when you're, you know, playing out there and you're, tr- and you're trying to drop a concept, that's, that's a little bit like, Whoa, what are you talking about? You know, um, it's risky, you know, and then that's all. And I, it doesn't mean I don't do it. I, I still will do it anyway. But um, so that, so I would say to those audiences, um, that fermentation is is not very. It's not dangerous for the most part. It's 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 most it's easy and it's safe. I mean, you'd have to really go out of your way to 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 make something that's you know gonna get you sick. Um, mm. You know, I mean, it's if you can cut up cabbage and add some salt and just pay a little bit, pay attention to some of the the details then you can do this stuff. So, um, that, I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. And, and, and I get, and I get that feedback quite a bit from after I teach my workshops, there people are like, wow, that I didn't realize it was that simple or they, maybe they tried and then they failed and then got, you know, um, 
nervous because of course you don't want to poison your family or, you know, your friends or anybody. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the message that for the people that I'm trying to reach, which are those who, who don't yet see the, you know, the preach the fermentation gospel, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. to, to get them to come around. It's, it's sort of like a, a cultural fear that we've had in the last little while, isn't it? Of, of, Oh no, like I can't do this at home. It's some, it needs to be done in a commercial kitchen somewhere. Right, right. Yeah, the whole germophobia that um, we've been enduring for the last couple hundred years. But, um, you know, and it had it had its rightful place. Obviously, we don't want to be doing surgery, you know, um, without washing our hands and that sort yeah. of thing. But, but the, the, the total vilification of, of all germs, I, I think we're, we're, that's starting to come to an end. I mean, that, that's a very, um, uh, you know, view that that's gotten us into a lot of trouble. Um, but I think the war on, on all bacteria is, is, you know, receding a little bit, thankfully. Um, so, uh, I think that, I mean, and that's an important component is, uh, that not all germs are bad and that, and unlearning that is, uh, is, is challenging because we, we've been so taught to believe that for so long, um, mm-hmm. that, Hey, actually most of the bugs are actually pretty good for us. It's just a few that, you know, that can make us sick and, you know, they, they can legitimately hurt us and make us sick. But, um, uh, that doesn't mean you, you throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know. Mm-hmm. Although you might have to throw a, sco- a SCOBY out every once in a while. <laughs> yes, of course, right? <laughs> throw it in your garden. It's, it's, it makes great. Uh, the, the soil loves the, the SCOBY nutrients. Oh, yeah, it does sure. have a bit of mold on it. Um, actually sometimes if I, uh, actually I haven't got mold for a while, but sometimes I'll just get rid of the old scobies. I'll blend them up and put them in a watering can with water and just water, um, the plants or uh-huh. water the, uh, the, um, lawn with it. And you see a couple of days later, it just, the lawn just goes bright they love green. It. They nice. love it. So. Nice. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Like so many, so many different biomes, you know, are related to one another, you know, like there's lactobacillus in our guts. There's one, you know, there's probably a bunch of it in the soil. There's some in the SCOBY. So yeah, just to see how, uh, more or less it's, it's fairly adaptable and, and, uh, and similar, you know, like, yeah, I, I learned actually aloe vera has at least five different kinds of lactobacillus on the leaf, which is really, really? which is really interesting in, um, I'm a big proponent of Korean natural farming and, and what they do is, um, it's a, it's a farming method where you just use what's on the land. So you, you basically, it's like a ferment that you, you take the tips of the plants with all the good growth hormone on it, you add it to sugar and the sugar, the osmotic pressure of the sugar draws out the liquid, but it also puts the microbes on the leaves into like uh, stasis, like basically puts them asleep. And so then mm. you, you, you pull off the, the liquid from the plant material and you have this liquid that's sort of like a, a syrup and it's got it's full of microbes and it's full of um, the, the plant hormones. So that's good for your plants. But we were just talking on, on the episode with Drake, Korean Natural Farming, talking about how he uses like mugwort um, fermented plant juice. He uses it on his pancakes because it tastes delicious. And it's like, mm. you know, going to the next level of like... Um, bacteria is actually everywhere and we can't get away with it. And, and actually most of it is, is pretty good for us. I like that. Yeah. One the, the aloe thing reminds me of, I was just studying the, the origin of water kefir and how it, it I think it was a um, condensate or something that was found on a, on a specific species of cactus. Um, 
And, uh, oh, so that's, wow. I wonder if that's like, if that's has anything to do with, with that technique of, uh, of aloe, but that's cool. I'm going to, I'm going to look into that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, s- I'll send you a link for sure. So have you ever tried, uh, mixing ferments together and <laughs> I'd be interested in your experience there. I have. Yeah. Um, what did I try? I think I tried, oh, I, I've done, um, co- like flavor or making kombucha with coffee and, oh, right. um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm glad I tried it, but the flavor is just, I, I can't, I, my brain cannot, can't make it work. You know, it's right. like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's because I, I drink my coffee, um, pretty, you know, I don't sweeten it. So when you're having something that kind of tastes like coffee, that's also tart and sugary, then it's just like, you know, some people <laughs> like that. Like if that's how you like it, great. Um, yeah. so coffee kombucha, I'm like, check it off the list. All right. Glad I did that. You know, um, not my favorite. Uh, what else have I done recently? I mean, what I'll do is when I, when I, um, when I make a batch of pickles or, or anything that's got like extra spices or garlic, um, I'll take the cloves out and sort of put them in their own jar. And then I'll use that just in cooking or doing other stuff. So for example, I made fermented ketchup. I just took tomato paste and then I chop up some of those pickled garlic cloves from previous ferments, throw them in. Um, the same with the hot sauce. So, you know, it's just really handy to have essentially preserved garlic that, um, it's just leftovers from, from previous batches. So that's something I like to do. Just random stuff like, uh, kimchi guacamole, like taking, uh, nice. like chopped up kimchi and adding it to guacamole. Um, that's, that's, you know, pretty good. Um, I know. Yeah. There's I'm trying to think if I have any other really well, well then I mentioned the umeboshi ice cream or ice kefir. Um, so like trying to concoct different things that are already fermented and putting them together and seeing what happens. That's great. That's yeah. Um, I love hearing all the different, different kinds. Cause, uh, you know, it really gives ideas about what, what we can do and, and what we can, um, try. And I think there's a reason why say kombucha has stayed relatively the same for however many thousands of years, because that's the way that it works. So what, what would you like to share with just sort of to, to wrap it up? Hmm. Um, I guess I would say, um, you know, just, just trust your senses and, um, and be, and be curious about everything. And, 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 you know, it sounds somewhat, you know, countercultural, but, you know, question everything, you know, Mm. um, not, not necessarily in a skeptical way, but, but in a, in coming from a genuine way of, you know, uh, of curiosity. And I think that, that mindset applies to not only when you're discovering new exotic things like fermented foods, but, but just in general, you know, if you can sort of put aside your own, um, projections about your reality, um, then that's when, that's when magic happens is when you stop projecting and you actually are taking in things. Um, that, that's where I've had, you know, periods of, of massive insights and, um, and growth is just remaining curious, even when something, compels you to be protective of yourself, even if something induces fear or anger, you know, with the exceptions, of course, like somebody actually coming at you, of course, but like, (laughs) you know, I'm talking about things that are somebody else is doing something, just minding their own business and it triggers you. Right. So, Mm. um, if, if we can, that's what I mean by our, our projections, if we can pull those back in and, and genuinely put them, put them aside and that way we can actually connect with the other person and, and hear what idea they have to share. 
mm-hmm. um, a little more general philosophical, you know, than than just fermentation. But um, I think it applies to to things like funky foods, like fermented foods, you know, and um, you know, forget the fact that something just sounds weird, and realize that you know people have been thousands of years and have been fine. So if you can sort of make that connection back and realize, oh, okay, well, I'm going to try it. And, you know, you may, you may be surprised. Yeah. 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 Just, just, just remaining curious about your world and, um, and open to learning, I think is, is, uh, crucial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for coming on the probiotic life, Austin, before we go, I'd love for you to share a little bit about where people can reach out to you. Um, any products, um, you have for people to get their hands on, or uh, any events coming up? Yeah, great. So fermentersclub.com is our blog. Um, we also have a YouTube channel, Fermenters Club, uh, Facebook and Instagram. I've got multiple pages for the club and also the various communities like the San Diego fermentation community, the Oregon fermentation community. Um, I do have a shop that I sell some, uh, some kind of, uh, uh, cheeky uh, t-shirts and things and swag, you know, that has Fermenters Club on it and, nice. um, and various things. So check out, that's on our, our blog. And as far as workshops, I have a couple coming up in the month of March in the San Diego area. And I try to book things a couple months in advance, but but that's as far as I've gotten now. Um, so a couple miso workshops and we're going to be doing a St. Patrick's Day um, sauerkraut and beer pairing workshop, which uh, the getting to pair beer with with any fermented food is always a it's it's a pretty popular format and people uh, people have fun with it. Um, awesome. So yeah, so that's that's what's coming up. That's great. Well, we'll put all of the links in the show notes. And once again, thanks for being on the Probiotic Life. Thanks, Ben. It was a pleasure. Another inspiring interview. Thanks, Austin, for coming on the show. You can check out what Austin's doing at his website, fermentersclub.com. And like I said, you can check out the links in the show notes. So did you guys get any ideas? Did you learn anything from today? I always love learning about different flavors and fermentation techniques. Uh, And if you're interested, you can check out some of the things that I am fermenting on Instagram at The Probiotic Life. If you want to share your ferments on Insta, you can tag us in your pic and hashtag probiotic life. So thanks for joining me for another adventure. And until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to The Probiotic Life. You can find us on Facebook at The Probiotic Life, on Instagram, The Probiotic Life, and on our website, theprobiotic.life.